welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. podcast is brought to you by Back Pocket Social Marketing. And yes, this is Lexi here. This podcast has been a real passion project for me. All the time that goes into interviewing guests, editing, and producing the show is sponsored by my freelance marketing agency. We specialize in website design, social media advertising, content creation and management, and email marketing. If you like to take a foundational approach to your marketing and figure out exactly what's working for you and what's not, and really focus on efficiency, then you would be a great candidate to work with us. You can reach out and talk with us more at Lexi at BackPocketSocial.com. We would love to help you solve your marketing challenges. Well, John, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here on Farming on Purpose. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your family's cattle operation, you, how you got started, um, where you're at now. Yeah, Lexi, well, hey, thank you so much for, for having me today. Awesome to uh, to be on your your new podcast, your new show. I love what you're doing. Really cool also to connect with you. Um, since we went to college together, had some classes together, and especially the the FFA kind of at the the core of of all that. So really cool after a, a few years to kind of reconnect here. But yeah, so um, live here in Leavenworth County with uh, with my wife, uh, two boys, and then um, farm and ranch with my uh, my parents as well. Here about 40 minutes north of of Kansas City. And, you know, I don't know about a lot of your listeners, but I, I grew up in agriculture. Uh, we were fairly close to the city and I really didn't have a whole lot of desire or urge to get back to agriculture uh, after high school. But kind of that, that FFA at the, the core of um, that experience through high school, um, I eventually got back to the, the desire to, to come back home and so after a couple of years, uh, after college being away, uh, my wife and I moved, moved back to our, uh, our operation. We've, we have corn, wheat, and soybeans. Uh, my dad is kind of the crops guy. My wife and I uh, enjoy the cattle a little bit more. So we, we have a commercial and a um, uh, registered Angus seed stock operation where we sell both uh, females and, and bulls to, um, to other cattlemen in the area and uh, also serve as an officer in the uh, Kansas Army National Guard. I just got back from some training out in Virginia for about four months, so I'm in that uh, transitioning phase coming back home to a couple wild Indians in the house and uh, a little bit different of a life here at home than, than what I had on the East Coast, but uh, so good to, to be back home. I'm sure it is, and I'm sure your family's so glad to have you back. I, I can only imagine what that transition looks like of, you know, both 
in going to the training there of being kind of on your own and then shifting back to family life at home. And that sounds like just thinking about my own family life, what that would be like, I can only imagine. Yeah, for sure. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't a deployment. Um, haven't had the opportunity to, to do that yet, but, uh, for those that have, I mean, it's, it's so hard on individuals and, and families alike. And, and honestly, now that I'm, uh, within the military and, and have served for a few years now, uh, it very much is the family that's, that's serving alongside, um, that individual soldier. You know, I honestly, I credit my, um, I credit my wife, you know, kind of serving and giving up uh, her time just as much as, as mine. And, and honestly, that flows into our, uh, our cattle business here. I mean, when I'm, when I'm gone uh, doing X, Y, and Z on, on the farm and ranch, uh, she's giving up certain things uh, to allow me to do that. So it's, it's very much a, a partnership for sure. Yeah. That balance of who does what and when, when there's so many things that are non-negotiables, like taking care of the kids, taking care of the animals. That's a hard balance to figure out, I think, especially when you're new to it. Um, and maybe like you said, you didn't originally plan to return to the farmer ranch. Kind of what did that process look like for you? That decision of coming home and then of how you and your wife got in like reintegrated and how you set that out for yourselves? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, so when I graduated high school, I, I started to really get involved in, um, in FFA in, in high school. And I, I thought I'd maybe have that urge to come back, but, uh, it was through some clubs and organizations in college that they really kind of ignited, um, the fire in me to, to eventually get back to production agriculture. Actually, as a senior in, in college, I, and I know Lexi, we had some classes together, but I was trying to actually kind of procrastinate from, uh, from graduating because I didn't want to find an off farm job. I just wanted to come back to the farm, um, I, I did have a uh, opportunity to work for one of Kansas's U.S. senators on his ag team. And so kind of through the process of seeing uh, what things look like on the outside world, I saw some things that I felt like my my perspectives had, had broadened uh, just outside of production agriculture. And I kind of got to a point where I just knew I had seen some things and I wanted to bring that perspective back to um, to the farm and ranch and in my local community. Actually, at the time when I was working for uh, the senator, I, I met my wife and she is not originally from agriculture. Uh, she is from smack dab in Wichita, so not not a huge city, but very urban um, for Kansas speaking for sure. And uh, so didn't have that background. She knew I eventually wanted to get back, but we had the opportunity I think it was maybe a year or so into marriage, year and a half, maybe we had some land that uh, became available for sale to, uh, was adjacent to what my parents had and uh, the opportunity just kind of arose at that time to come back to ag and, and move back to the farm. In hindsight, it, it may have been a, a little early uh, moving right back uh, about 100 yards from, from your parents and then in her case, in-laws, that was at times we we're still figuring that out, but it's, we're so blessed now with just uh, the two boys. We were talking before the podcast. I have uh, two boys and just to see them be with their grandparents, they can, you know, my oldest son can walk down uh, or walk to the shop with grandpa and work on some equipment that, that kind of stuff is priceless. And my wife has 
gotten to the point where she loves that and appreciates that. But at first it, it definitely was not easy. Agriculture, Lexi, as you know, is, is hard if you've been in it for your entire life, but when you're not used to basically living where your work is, that is just a huge thing to, to kind of overcome and, and process. So we, we had our fair share of struggles for sure. First year of marriage living back, back at the farm, it's kind of taken certainly a lot of prayer and we've done some things, you know, just with personal development, physical fitness that have kind of helped us overcome some of that stuff. But it, it for sure was, was a challenge for a while. I could definitely see that because um, you're really, it's not just coming back to living where you work. It's being part of a bigger family very quickly. Was that... Um, since you you guys live really close to your parents and you guys you guys farm with them right it's kind of together or is it more separate yep good, good question yep so it's together and and separate my wife and I have our our own cattle but uh, I manage with my dad's cattle so uh, I have reins of managing the entire cattle operation and then he uh, I'll help him a little bit with the crops, but he mainly manages the, the crop side things. And and that's actually a great point as I'm thinking about it, that a lot of times in, in ag and any business, really, if there's multi-generational businesses happening, a lot of times the generations will, will butt heads. But in our case, it works. I'm blessed with how it works because he, my dad's passionate about the crops. I love the cattle and we kind of in our way go off and do our own things. You know, we, we have regular meetings, we meet, we'll help each other with, uh, with each other's projects, but, um, I let him manage the crops. I manage the cattle and, and we at times don't butt heads probably as often as, as other operations. That sounds like a really nice balance. So I'm glad it worked out that way for you guys. That's, that's great. So when you guys returned and you started adding some of your own stuff and then managing with your parents, the cattle, were there any things that kind of put you on the path to where you're at now? Or how has the, how have things grown over time with your, like the business side? And then like you've talked about a little bit, the personal side, doing some mindset things to help you adjust to the lifestyle that you guys are in. Yeah. Great, great question. Kind of towards the end of my, my high school days, my, my dad was wanting to really, both my parents wanted to take a step back from, from the cattle. They still wanted that income. They, they still wanted cattle around, but their interest had just kind of, they were withdrawing from that. And so really since high school, I've, they've given me the reins to, to manage the cattle operation. And I've seen a, a lot of people sell bulls, it seems like, and I was getting to the point where I was seeing a niche for females. And so we've really, my dad has allowed me to make the decisions that have kind of um, altered the course of our cow herd. We've improved, we've done some things with embryo transfer, AI of our cows and heifers, and to really focus on the female side of our cow herd. So we've kind of found a little bit of a niche on, on the female side with some private treaty. Certainly you get bulls with that too, and we, we sell bulls, but my dad is is very reserved and, and that fits him well. I, I love the people side of the cattle business. And honestly, I view my cattle as I'm in the people business. I just happen to be selling cattle to those people. So... I love that private treaty where, you know, you can get to know your bull customers and 
really not just sell them a product, but connect with them on their needs, get to know them. Very similar to a, a direct-to-consumer, you know, beef uh, marketing uh, concept, but get to know their needs and add value by getting to know them. And I, I just love that. And I love that my dad kind of stepped aside. He saw that maybe more outgoingness that I have on the people side of the business with cattle. And, and I love just being able to connect with, with ranchers to hear what their needs are and to try to match our product with, with their need. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. Just um, having so much input from customers, I feel like makes it a lot easier to do your job as a producer. So as you guys have kind of grown more into the female side of things, I know I've heard you talk about just being patient and focusing on utilizing the resources and what you have instead of being more focused on like expansion and acquiring more land, more cattle. I think that's something that almost all farmers and ranchers struggle with. You know, we're all always looking to how how we can grow, how we can become more efficient. What has kind of spurred that line of thinking for you guys? Yeah, I, I love that question because that, for me, that flows into the personal development space for me. I, in high school and in college, I just mentally, it was probably more internal, but I would play the comparison game. And, you know, it's really not fair because everybody in life and business, whatever you're doing, um, whether you're in sports, whatever the case might be, everybody is on a different path. Everybody's on a different uh, trajectory. Everybody has different experiences. So it's really not fair for me to compare myself with, you know, a neighbor. Maybe they've been selling bulls for 70 years and I've been doing it for seven, you know, whatever the case is. And so actually through my personal development, working on myself kind of internally, we, we had some hardships, like I mentioned very early on with my wife and I coming back, we had a really bad uh, season. We actually moved in uh, December 2017 and we started calving that next month and we had a huge uh, ice storm and, and just blizzard that came through and we lost a, a ton of calves at once. And, and on top of that, my wife and I had, or my wife had never really been around sick and dying animals and we had calves in the house we were trying to, to take care of. And it was a very dark kind of season. And really what helped get us through that was obviously a lot of uh, power of prayer and just working internally on ourselves through personal development and, and physical fitness, whether it was running or working out. And that really kind of helped guide us through through that really kind of a dark season that we had as we moved back to the farm. And so I guess what I'm getting at is through working on myself over the course of, of the years, last several years, it's really not fair to, to compare yourself to others. And, and that personal development uh, piece has been hugely critical and kind of where I've gone and just, you know, establishing more routines, kind of visualizing what um, your goals for your your family are, your personal life, your your business, your marriage, goals that you have for your kids. So to me, waking up kind of with a, a servant mindset has been really huge. Um, that's been something that I've learned over the years that it's not about me. You know, I think God has put all of us on this earth for a very specific reason. And and if you can wake up each day with how can I help others or, or those around me, how can I serve them? It really kind of helps get you through those, those dark times. And, and, you know, those lessons can be applied to your personal life, your business, what have you. Yeah. Well, it's easy to see and hear that you really believe in that, that kind of um, mindset over or mind over matter. 
um, working through things and changing your mindset to focus on the positive and how you can be better in your day-to-day life. And you said something that I want to say again, that maybe some people who are less involved in agriculture just don't understand how emotional those rough times on the ranch can be when you're literally, you know, trying to nurse calves to health and hoping and praying that they're going to make it through the night. And then unfortunately, sometimes they don't. Um, what kind of, just how much of a toll that takes on you. And if you have a particularly bad season like that, that it's just day after day of more just kind of piling on. And that's really hard to get through. We had a really, um, we used to raise goats. We kind of took a break from it because I was nonstop pregnant and got really tired of putting goats back in when I was the only one home <laughs> during the day. But um, so we took, took a little break from goats, but we had a really rough season with a selenium deficiency which causes abortions in goats. And that was, I just remember that being so discouraging. And like you said, the emotional toll of of being in that day in and day out, but mindset really does make a huge difference as much as it can. It's, it's hard to, to get past that though. That's a great point that you're getting at. And I, until I joined the the military, you know, you always hear about PTSD and, you know, I never knew if I would experience that or not. But now that I'm around veterans who have served in combat zones, um, you know, been away from families for months, um, even over a year, there's some 18 month deployments, but very much what, what soldiers face is a little bit differently, but farmers and ranchers go through that same thing. And I think there's a certain degree of PTSD that you get with, um, with farming and ranching. And I never really put those, the two and two together. I always just thought of it as a a military thing. I mean, it very much is so, and is a huge issue, but farmers and ranchers certainly deal with suicide and, and mental health is so kind of always been a, uh, a negative connotation, but it doesn't need to be because everybody, no matter what you're doing needs to put yourself first, or you're not going to be able to, to do it very long term. Um, if you're always putting others before yourself, you do have to be present, take care of yourself. And farmers and ranchers very much like to just kind of stuff feelings down, especially maybe the uh, the more male population. We don't like to discuss feelings, but I think it's crucial that um, that anybody in agriculture, but certainly the male population knows that you don't have to be alone. And, you know, I think a lot of times we can feel like we're on an island doing it all ourselves. And that's, uh, that's what I love about the, my role in agriculture and then working with some individuals with some mindset. I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I create a community for individuals to see that they're not by themselves and they don't have to do it by themselves and, um, working on yourself, whether it's physical fitness or establishing morning routines or visualizing kind of what you want in life with certain goals and, and reverse engineering your life, you know, those kind of principles are huge for, for anybody, but I know the male population, uh, in agriculture certainly needs, um, we need to talk about it a lot more for sure. Definitely. Um, you brought up some really good points there. And I think the male population and the traditional farmer population or rural population, that's kind of just always adopted the attitude of, well, you grin and bear it and get through it and you'll be just fine. And it, they process things so quietly, at least in my experience, that it can feel very isolating when you're maybe a younger generation or you're someone who does want to work through some of those things that are happening to you 
you and, and nobody is willing to talk that's in your immediate circle, it can feel very isolating. But you mentioned that you guys used mindset and physical fitness when you were kind of in that rough season to make some changes and to get to a different mindset. What were some of the changes that you guys made and what were some of the benefits you saw of doing that? Yeah, we're definitely still still doing them uh, on a on a daily basis. Uh, both my wife and I, physical fitness for both of us was still is huge. I grew up playing a lot of sports, but you know, once I was done in high school, didn't play in college. You know, kind of that competitive side of me, I thought, kind of disappeared. Reestablishing that once we were going through kind of our our dark season, if you will, moving back to the farm and having a lot of kind of negative stuff happen at once in that already stressful period of of a transition in life. Reestablishing physical fitness, whether it was lifting or running, was huge for for both of us, uh, but especially myself just to get, you know, release kind of the negative energy, if you will. I grew up um, not liking long distance running, uh, but over the course of the years, and then certainly training for um, joining the military, I started to kind of refall back into love with running again, and um, actually just completed my first full marathon two days ago in Manhattan at the Little Apple Marathon. And wow. my wife has, has picked up running as well. She's done a, a half marathon in the process for training for, for another one. But that, I think the running has for sure been a, a very tangible, practical thing for us to, to apply. You know, running isn't for everybody, but there's something about getting out there, establishing as a as a part of your morning routine. You know, you're you can just let your mind go. You gain clarity. It seems like when you run, you can think of how you want your day to look, and and kind of along those those lines. And another piece to that is waking up and not letting the world dictate your your thoughts for the day. Another kind of tangible piece from mindset that we started working on was not getting right on our phone. A lot of times we want to wake up, look at our phone. You know, there might be something negative in the news or a negative text or something that we see within a minute of waking up and right then you're already letting the world kind of dictate your thoughts for the day. So we've tried to establish at least a 30 minute time period where when we wake up, we won't look at our phone for at least 30 minutes. That way we're establishing what we want our mind to be set on for the day. And we're kind of telling the day what we're going to do with it rather than flip-flopped where the world's going to tell you what what it's going to take from you kind of thing. Those two pieces, you know, with the running and and that where you're controlling the day and visualizing what you want the day to look like, those have been huge and really invaluable for us over the last several years. Well, I can definitely see how that would play a huge role in just how you start to structure your thinking in a more positive way without having influences coming at you, I, I think, especially on social media and stuff. There, that's sure. just unfiltered worldviews of things that may or may not align with you. And you're just chucking them into your brain first thing in the morning. It's definitely, I could see how that practice would make a big shift. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of things, as you know, Lexi, in the news, I mean, some things are just predictions and they, and they never end up coming to fruition. So you're allowing things in your mind that may not even happen. And that, I mean, that flows into worrying about your life or your business or finances, you know, why, Mm -hmm. why worry? Because, you know, if you're waking up each day, you're developing your relationship with God. I'm, I'm a huge man of faith. My, my wife and, and I, 
and, you know, let him in and kind of allow him to guide your day where he wants you to go and not letting the world dictate where it wants to take you. I mean, it'll, it'll take you quick uh, if you're looking at your phone and uh, a lot of the stuff on the news doesn't even happen. And so, yeah, don't, don't align, don't align yourself with kind of the, the worldly things, I guess, if you will. How do you feel like you guys make that work for you consistently? Because I know that's something I personally struggle with. It always seems like, you know, we're all busy. There's always something that needs done, whether it's chores or like I'm a, I own my own business. It's tending to clients, cooking the next meal, whatever it is. It's hard to make it a priority, but how do you guys do that? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I would say we're, we're still figuring that out. I think a lot of it is just being flexible because you might have intentions of, of doing X, Y, and Z for your morning routine, but then life happens. I mean, sometimes, you know, maybe something with your kid happens in the night or, you know, sleep is messed up. And so I think for us, flexibility has been key and kind of giving ourselves, this has been huge for my wife, but she's big about giving herself grace. You know, things aren't always going to happen the way you intend them to. I certainly have learned that in the military. We, it's kind of a joke um, in the officer world that when you make plans, typically you want three or four plans after plan A because plan A never happens. So being flexible with it and giving your, yourself grace. But I think what has helped us be consistent over a long period of time is planning things, whether it's the day before or a week before, but we'll, we'll oftentimes, we actually just implemented this here recently we're on Sundays we kind of have a, a meeting my wife and I and we we both look at each other's schedules for the week here's kind of our personal and our business goals that we that we both have for the week and how can we both mesh them and so rather than waking up each day and it's oh well, I forgot to tell you I have this call and then I've got to go over here and do this we already kind of know ahead of time she has this going I have this and so for me and certainly in the military and I've learned a lot of this through the military Military, we're planning ahead and not you know, necessarily the day of, but giving yourself a lot of planning time to establish certain routines in the morning. But then, you know, you might be going strong for a couple of weeks and then something derails you, but just knowing that you have to be flexible and just don't let yourself get off course too much. I know I'm, I'm big with when I run, uh, when I'm training for a marathon, half marathon, whatever it is, I have kind of a, an established plan or training plan that I'm doing. And if I get sloppy and, and miss a day for whatever reason, I, I'm okay with it, but I try my best to not let it go two days getting off, you know, course, because it's one day can happen, life happens, but two days, it's easier to just, the ball can derail, uh, train can derail after two days and, and it gets a little bit harder, so... I can definitely agree with that. I am a big fan of habits, but it seems like the our schedule sometimes is just so volatile. It's like, how do you plan or how do you stay consistent? My biggest struggle, I think, or at least the thing that makes me feel the most out of whack is when I've had a habit going and then all of a sudden something changes and that habit doesn't fit into my life anymore. And then it's like, I wait too long before I'm like, okay, I got to figure out a different way to make this happen because how I've been trying is not working. That's the biggest thing I need to work on. One thing, yeah, and I totally agree in that. 
one thing that that's also helped both of us is to know what our our why is and I, i'm a huge fan of simon sinek and he has a, a book called start with your why and so if you know what your overarching goal or dream or, or vision for your your life is you know what your why is why you do what you do you've got to make those small incremental plans to get to your why but i think we're always changing as people and because of that our our small incremental goals might be changing too and so habits are going to change you know what 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 served me the best in my four months away from my family while I did some national guard training in Virginia those daily goals that I personally needed in that season aren't working as well for for me here and so I'm and I'm still trying to figure out kind of what that new routine is but very much what I needed there isn't what I need here and, and vice versa so I've got I still have my overarching why but how I get there changes because we we change um, frequently on a, I mean on a daily basis for sure. Yeah. Adapting to that change is never ending process. I feel like what you just said, I like, I could not have scripted that better myself about your, like knowing your why and your purpose. And just that's kind of the whole idea behind why I started talking um, about this farming on purpose concept is for us creating something for our kids is our purpose that we can hand down to them on the farmer ranch. And that's something that we've just, especially me, but I um, just feel so strongly about that. It's like every decision we make supports that. And every season, it looks a little bit different in how we work towards that, but it, it's the purpose we're working towards that it's the underlying current of everything in our life. And I, I love the, the name of your podcast. I mean, farming on purpose. You're doing the things now that are needed. You're you're maybe not seeing results on a daily basis, but over the course of years or months, whatever it is, you're going to see all these conversations that you've had, and it's going to be playing into the legacy that you want to leave to your family. You know, you don't get anywhere without doing things on a daily basis that are on on purpose whether you're striving to get out of debt or training for a marathon or starting a business you maybe when you're down in the weeds on a daily basis you're not seeing the stuff or or seeing progress if you will but once you kind of start to come out of it you'll see that you did the stuff on purpose on you know on a daily basis led into that wire or the legacy that you want to leave for your kids and I think that's so true. Talking about that, and I have um, struggled with this. It, it held me back from starting this podcast for a long time because, like you said, we live in rural communities, and a lot of folks are, you know, very traditional or tend to not talk about their feelings. Um, so I always feel like I'm the, you know, FFA leadership conference person coming in here with a raw, raw attitude. And it's kind of hard to communicate that to other people. I think, do you struggle with that at all? Communicating like the value of, of mindset and the purpose that you're working towards. Yeah, uh, very much so on within the male population. And Lexi, you were a phenomenal uh, state FFA officer too. Just quick plug for the oh, well, listeners. Thank you. But uh, seems like a lifetime ago. It was a couple of years ago for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, in in the military culture and environment I'm in, and 
yeah, just maybe older producers. Yeah, there's just uh, stuff down the feelings. We don't want to learn about X, Y, and Z. Um, in my past job here, earlier in the year, I used to serve on the Kansas Beef Council staff, and we hosted a, a stockmanship event, and I brought in somebody to discuss some mental health. And he he's a male uh, rancher, probably early 40s, so pretty young. And I wanted, I wanted that aspect into our stockmanship event. And typically those events are about cattle handling, you know, business management, that kind of stuff. So this was a totally new topic. And I initially had some, some pushback, especially from the older producers. And it was actually one of the highest rating post survey said it was one of the higher enjoyed uh, workshops of, of the entire stockmanship event. And so I, I think a lot of male producers or soldiers, whatever the, whatever the, the culture is, we just have this stuffing the feelings down and, you know, why should I, I've never had to share my feelings before why should I have to now but I think it's to me it's all about just better communication my wife and I wouldn't be where we're at without learning how to communicate and part of that is me opening up on certain things more than I would want to for us to get to you know the next level in our marriage or our business and and older producers maybe just didn't grow up with that with their with their um, you know the older generation that they grew up with and so I think younger producers are starting to kind of see the importance of self-care, taking care of yourself. Mental health is shouldn't be a uh, shouldn't have a negative connotation. You know, we need to take care of our our health, and there's just such a negative connotation with that, and there sh- there shouldn't be. So for sure, in the mindset world, and um, yeah, in the military and farming, and ranching, I I've definitely had some pushback on on that, but that's why I wanted to be on this this podcast and just be a other uh, man that's willing and open to to kind of talk about it with others. Well, you are the first man on the podcast. So I think it is um, definitely hard to reach that demographic just because there is so little reception to it. But that's really awesome that it was so well reviewed that session of at your stockmanship uh, day. That sounds really cool. I'll have, you'll have to tell me who that um, gentleman was so I can check him out. Jason, Jason Meadows and his uh, he has a podcast as well called Ag State of Mind. Uh, Perfect. Highly, would highly recommend uh, him being on your show at some point too. Awesome. Well, perfect. Well, I have just a couple more questions for you before we wrap up today. Um, the last or the second to last one, what does it mean to you to challenge your narrative? I've heard you see that say this in a couple different of your Instagram posts, but what's that mean to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you you asked that. I, for me, I didn't create this this saying. I've I've heard it from a few other individuals, Ed Milet, David Goggins, and in, in the the mindset world. But I don't want to get to the end of of my life when when I've died and and I'm at the pearly gates. I don't want to get get there and realize I could have been. You know, here's where maybe God wanted me to be, and and I wasn't that person. I want to get there and realize. I was as close to the person that, that God created me to be as possible. And so I, I challenge myself daily to kind of think outside the box. I, th- I think especially in, in agriculture, being a, a young uh, married couple in agriculture and then having a spouse not from ag, she's challenged me to think of things differently, you know, well, why do we do X, Y, and Z that way? And so from her outside perspective, it's really challenged me to think outside the box. You know, there's certain things on in farming and ranching that, that work over the years. Uh, There's a tradition behind it. And, 
and I'm all for that. But if there's something that could be done better, that's maybe a new, more innovative way. Uh, my wife has certainly challenged me to kind of think through certain production practices. So yeah, for me, it's it's thinking outside the box and kind of just being on a mission, if you will, to to serve those around you each day and to bring those around you with you, you know, cause I think at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's, it's about serving and putting ourselves uh, behind others and uh, just doing things kind of challenging what has traditionally been done and, and challenging that to see if that is the way we should continue to do it. That open, pers- open-minded perspective is so valuable. And, and so it is challenging to do when you, especially like you, you've grown up on your family operation. It, I feel like a lot of times it can be easy to just, you keep doing something because that's how you've always done it. So why not? But that's really cool that she's been able to bring some outside perspective and have an open mind there about how you guys do things. What is your favorite tradition um, in the agriculture lifestyle or on your own family farm that you guys have, have lived? I don't know if this would necessarily be a tradition, but my this is certainly my favorite season, but really kind of even more broadly, my, my whole family. But we, we typically calve January through March, and there's always just this high bit of an- anticipation for waiting for that first calf to come. We usually start kind of mid-January, so typically it's just chores, feeding hay, a little bit of grain to the cattle, and, and the farm is a little bit slower in that season for us. Um, except for that anticipation waiting for the first calf. And there's just always, even with my sisters that, that don't uh, live on the farm or, or in this county or area anymore, there's always, within my family, there's kind of a high bit of anticipation for that first calf to come. We've put so much hard effort and labor into creating the genetics behind that calf, whether it was through embryo transfer or or AI or, or natural bull service. And uh, just that anticipation waiting for, to see what your hard work, um, seeing it pay off. That's, I don't know if that's really a tradition, but um, it's mid-January. It's always really cool uh, at our operation to see that first calf come. That's an exciting time. Cold and lots of work, but exciting. For sure. And sometimes a little snowy. Yes. Well, thanks for sharing that. I kind of put you on the spot there. But um, before we wrap up today, I want to make sure that everyone knows how they can learn more about what you do and how they can connect with you if they enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so you can follow me on uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn at Coach John Soxy, also Instagram at Coach John Soxy as well. So you can follow me on on any of those three uh platforms probably a little more um, active on uh, on Instagram now um, also just wanted to put a, a quick plug in kind of on the community piece um, I'm starting a uh, first annual ranch fit uh, ruck march on December 31st so we'll be bringing in the uh, the new year uh, posting it at the ranch we'll be offering a 10k and a 5k ruck march um, with any weight that that you choose uh, but just a way to to build community specifically in our community, but even more broadly um, around personal health and uh, and physical fitness, um, certainly ringing in the, the new year with kind of challenging ourselves as well. So you can find um, info on, on that event um, on my Instagram uh, bio account. 
Perfect. That sounds like an amazing way to ring in the year. That'd be like an unforgettable, very cold, but fun experience to kind of march into the new year. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, John. I'm really excited to share this episode with our listeners and maybe we'll have you back again sometime. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at, at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.